We are Plum Creek, and we're a place where you matter. Our mission here is centered around change lives, changing lives. We believe this happens through three relationships, intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. We hope what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to connect with us online at PlumCreekOnline.com or on social media to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we have for you and your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through the Give tab on our website or via your mobile device by texting your dollar amount to the number on the screen. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you'll enjoy this message. Doing good. All rested from the craziness, I hope. Glad to be back in the routine. Very, very excited about uh, just some of the things God's doing. And uh, real quick, want to give you a quick update. You know, spent, it was an interesting year as we, as we uh, headed towards our uh, capital campaign project. If you've been around, you know what we're talking about there with the plans to expand our kids and youth area over here. And, and then uh, we always, every year, do our uh, special missions offering, our Christmas offering, and we work hard together to be able to see some funds raised that we can give outside of the four walls of our church. And I just wanted to give you a quick update on that. Uh, to date, we have $57,934 that have come in during the month of December. Isn't that awesome? Can we thank God for that? <clears throat> I just want to thank you so much for your generosity and the way that you uh, have uh, just a, a mind to, and a heart to be part of what God is doing around the world and the opportunities that we have together to do that. You know, here's the deal. I know some of you um, maybe uh, haven't had a chance to jump in on that yet. It's 57934 We could make that sixty, I think. And so it's not too late to be part of that. One of the things that we're going to do with those resources, we're taking two mission trips this year, to, one to Honduras and one to the Philippines, where uh, we have partnered with a child development center in Honduras, and we're building a brand new center uh, in the Philippines on an island there. Stephen and I are getting ready to go see how the progress is going. And uh, when we take our team trips, uh, those two times, we're going to do a party for our kids. You know, we have several hundred kids that we have uh, that we're supporting in both of those areas. And so that's going to be one of the things that we do. So super excited about um, just the opportunity that we have as a church to make a difference uh, all over the world. So I feel like a little kid today myself, and I'm going to tell you why. I got to tell you what I got for Christmas. You ready? I couldn't believe I would ever have the opportunity to say this, this sentence right here. I got a Chicago Cubs World Series jersey. Are you kidding me? I know. Thank you guys so much for enduring my uh, relentless, uh, hopeful attitude as a Cubs fan. It's been a long time waiting. It was so fun. And uh, man, for real, what a great year. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited about 2017 and what lies ahead, not because of athletics, but because of our great God. And he's up to some big things. And I'm pretty sure he's already been speaking to you. Um, if you ask him to, he will. And I hope that when you look at the new year that lies ahead, you've already begun to say, Lord, would you speak to me about what it is that you're wanting me to focus in on this year? What are the areas that you're wanting me to kind of tackle, to, to dig into, to get, um, to get just maybe some improvement in some areas or some intentionality in some areas? And I'm sure you've already been in the process of doing that. If you haven't, <clears throat> I want to challenge you to start there. You might have a good idea, but it might not be a God idea. So if you would first start by just saying, Lord, what is it in 2017, right now as we're starting this new year, that you want me to tackle, that you want me to focus in on? And we know that uh, whatever it might be, change never comes easy, does it? 
Um, if you're on a diet like me right now, you know change doesn't come easy. Uh, seems like the older you get, the harder it is, right? I just want a candy bar right now, right? Uh, some of you are in that same uh, mindset for sure. I don't know what it is that the Lord's been challenging you with, but what I want to dial in today is, is uh, how, how you have intentionally begun to process what 2017 is going to look like from a spiritual perspective. Because God's got big plans for you. He doesn't want you to be stuck in a rut. He doesn't want you to be the same at the end of this year as you are right now. And that's going to take some planning. And, and today is about where we start with that. And so we want to talk about that today. Uh, it, we, we, we know that this whole spiritual journey that we're on is not an easy thing. Um, there's a lot of challenges to it. And so I want to focus in on our spiritual lives. And really that is the true source of where life change comes from. Like I said, it needs to start with your relationship with God. God, what is it that you want from me this year? And then it's empowered from that place. It's sustained from that place. And I want you to know, though, as you dial into that and get connected to the heart of God, this is where true life change can then be seen as a possibility. One of my uh, uh, fun passages of Scripture that I looked at in preparation for today is a story from the Old Testament. The prophet Zechariah is speaking to Joshua and Zerubbabel in this interesting time in the history of the nation of Israel. They're trying to rebuild the temple, and they're trying to reestablish the Jewish state as well. And it's an overwhelming task. And they're concerned and obviously overwhelmed, as many of us are, about any kind of change or rebuilding, so to speak, that we might need to do in our lives. And uh, the prophet says this to uh, Joshua and to the nation of Israel, that this change is going to happen. Listen carefully. You might want to write it down, Zechariah 4.6. It's going to happen not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. How do we tap into that? How do we have our heart connected to know that true life change and growth spiritually happens, not because of our own energy and intentionality and discipline that's part of it but true life change comes when the power of God and the spirit of God is at work and so uh, over the last couple of weeks in preparation for this weekend I've been thinking about what is it that seems to make the difference between those that have this active vibrant growing relationship with God and those that are just kind of stuck maybe just in a rut knowing that maybe some things need to look different but just kind of stagnant so to speak What's the difference? The hardest thing that I have learned about the Christian life and the thing that is the most difficult for me and you, look at me for a second, is this. This is the hardest thing about it. It's daily. You want to write that down? That's profound. The hardest thing about the Christian life is that it's so daily. On top of that, it's not just like taking your vitamins in the morning, right? Like, oh, okay, I got it done. It's something that goes all throughout the day. And that's what's so challenging about our faith journey. That's what's so challenging about our relationship with the Lord. And so here's what I believe is the key to really us having the the year 2017 the way that God is really wanting us to. Here's the key. The key is all about perspective. Write that down. It's about perspective. Because when we have proper perspective, then our hearts and our souls are overwhelmed with gratitude for what God has done. And then listen, that becomes our motivation. It's out of that place of perspective that we're able to gain traction and move forward the way God is going to want us to this year. So in uh, kind of our uh, planning and prayer about how we could start this new year with this kind of focus on a fearless new year, I want to share a story with you that kind of um, will um, will help communicate this in a very, very powerful way. 
And then a dear friend of mine, Plum Creeker, is going to come up, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this just a little bit. So I want you to direct your attentions to the screen, and I want you to listen to this story. It's 5.30 a.m. in the waiting room at the University of Colorado Hospital. Ryan Arnold and his brother Chad are in good spirits. They're quickly prepped for surgery as Ryan prepares to donate part of his liver to Chad, who's overcome with emotion. Yeah, it's a, it's a very humbling experience. As he recalls the day he learned his brother Ryan was a match. He said, I'm a match. And you, you feel a lot of things. Um, relief, um, gratefulness to God and to him. And I think after that, you wrestle with a lot of you know, guilt. Like, I really don't want to bring him through this, but he shut me up pretty fast. He said, well, you'd do the same thing for me, wouldn't you? Chad, who is 38, has PSC, a disease of the liver for which there's no cure. His condition was deteriorating, and he needed a liver fast. A living donor was his only hope. So Ryan stepped in. You know, I love Chad. You know, he's my brother, and uh, he's got a lot of life left to live. Um, I'm healthy, and I know I'll stay healthy. I know I'm going to recover, and I want to see him, you know, do the things he wants to do and be able to spend his time with his family and want to have him around for a long time. There are few words as the brothers say goodbye. Ryan's surgery is first. A team of doctors carefully removes 60% of his healthy liver while Chad patiently waits. I think the thing I've learned through all this is that, you know, God writes the story. It's not my story to write. Ryan's the hero and I'm just playing my part. It's kind of how it's coming to me and he's just a hero. Once the organ is removed from Ryan, it's carefully rinsed and carried next door to be transplanted into Chad after his diseased liver is taken out. Dr. Egal Kam performed the surgery on Ryan. I think it's uh, this kind of generosity. It's a uh, wonderful thing to, to see because he probably will save his brother's life. But the surgery is risky. While both livers will regenerate and grow back to their original size, if too much is removed or something goes wrong, it's the donor whose life is at risk. Oh, it's still very controversial uh, uh, surgery. I think that we are very careful selecting the, uh, our donors and I think the uh, chances that this will happen uh, here are very, very low. While that may be so, it's not what happened this time. Just two days after surgery, Ryan went into cardiac arrest and was placed on life support. He died two days after that, on August 2nd. Ryan Arnold was 34 years old, healthy, active, and strong, a husband and father of three little boys, ages one, four, and six. Ryan is the hero in this. Chad is now recovering at home. He's tired and weak, but doing well. He describes how he first learned of his brother's death. But my dad just leaned forward and just said, you know, um, I've got some bad news. You know, he was holding back the tears. He just said, I got some bad news. 
you know, Ryan's, Ryan's gone, but we still serve a good God. I think, uh, couldn't have said it better. Ryan gave Chad the gift of life. It is the ultimate sacrifice, but he'd do it again. A gift which led to his own death. Because of that, Chad refuses to place the focus on himself. It's a story about a man who's deeply convicted by his faith. And uh, because of that, what he did for me was just sort of a normal thing that he did for people. While there's a huge scar on the outside, there's also one on the inside. Chad is committed to living his life the way Ryan lived his, with faith, compassion, and humility. You get a little glimmer in his eyes, and he always say that, you know, we can do this. And I can because I know that's that's not only what he'd want, that's what he'd do. Can you guys welcome Chad? <clears throat> Bro, thanks uh, for your bravery in sharing the story, not just to you, but to your whole family. Um, I have, uh, over the last almost seven years now, gotten to know Chad well as we've walked through this. And um, we need to share this story today because uh, there's something here um, Listen, um, we could feel it, couldn't you? If you're sensitive emotionally, you could just feel what you were feeling in this room, and there's a reason for that. Um, it's because we are, we are overwhelmed, right? Um, the gift of life is significant. And uh, what you feel right now is exactly what Chad and I and the Arnold family have been praying you would feel. Because, see, it's about this perspective that we need to have in our lives that kind of moves to where you guys know, hearing this story and watching this story, that obviously Chad has, that becomes a motivation to live different. That's where we need to land today. And so I want to thank you so much for your willingness to share your story. And um, so grateful your family's here. And um, this is their story too. And... Uh, we can't tell the whole story today because we don't have time, but we're going to. And uh, Chad's mom and dad are right here, too. Can you guys wave? Thank you for being here. Obviously, this is their story, too. Um, so it's almost seven years ago. It'll be seven years in August. Give us a quick update. Uh, some, some of the Plum Creekers that are here will have heard uh, some of this before. The journey you've been on is what we want to share today. Um, how are you doing? How's things going? Yeah. Uh, I feel incredible um, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Uh, in Joel, the second chapter, it talks about how God will restore what the locusts have devoured. And God has restored my life 
I, I can imagine a little bit what Job might have felt like when he saw his life being restored seven times over, right? I have a very strong sense of what that feels like. Um, wondering if you could ever get back to a place of a normal life or some sort of normal life, but then to actually exceed that and to have a life that you're so grateful for is uh, something only God can do. So um, just to kind of give you uh, some perspective, it was seven and a half years ago. Zach is right here, my third son. He was 11 years old. Uh, he and Beth and I went to the hospital um, the day after the surgery, and, and um, we, um, we uh, were waiting outside of your room, and it was in that moment that your family was sharing with you uh, what was happening. And uh, it was obviously super over overwhelming to even try and get your arms um, around that. You could feel the intensity of it. And uh, Chad and Ryan's dad came out of the room and he recognized me. He gave me a hug. And like he said um, to Chad, he said, Doug, my son has died, but God is good. And um, gosh, you just obviously don't even know how to respond. So thank you for, I mean, your faith in the midst of unbelievable grief and crisis. And, and this was part of what the whole family obviously was experiencing. And their rock-solid foundation of their walk with God obviously is part of uh, what has you guys here today, and that's why we need to talk about this. Um, so one of the things that you and I have spent some time talking about is a question that's likely in many of our minds here today is that you know what the Bible says about a good God. You know that um, those are our promises. That's the things that are talked about there, but yet we have a hard time sometimes reconciling this good God when very, very difficult things happen. And, and this is important for someone that's here today because you're going through a hard time. It might not look exactly like what the Arnolds have gone through, but you're going through something and it's really uh, painful to you to try and re reconcile a good God in the middle of crisis or pain. And so talk to us about that just a little bit. Yeah, you know, Doug just said something that was the first thing I learned uh, when I was in the hospital was, you know, everybody's pain is, it, pain is universal. And everybody's pain is as much as they can bear as they're feeling it. I don't have a monopoly on pain. You don't have a monopoly on pain. Pain is a part of, of life. It's a part of our process of living. And somewhere in the middle of that, we have to reconcile how we feel about God and all that. And I spent a lot of nights uh, yelling <laughs> in anger, in uh, confusion, in disappointment, in guilt. And I had this vision one night, not a vision, but an image in my mind of being out on a life raft all alone in the middle of the ocean and the storms tossing me back and forth. And I just felt like God's, God's my life raft. <laughs> Whatever I feel about him right now, there's a storm going on. I'm not going to punch a hole in that life raft. Because after that, you, i got to start treading water for a very long time. Um, that was a joke. <laughs> um, I, I think when we think of, of God being good, I don't think, it, I don't think we think of good as, as God thinks of it. So I think when we talk about God is good, we think about it in terms of I got a promotion, um, you know, my son got accepted into Harvard, you know, these kind of things. God's good, I don't think, always looks like that. And I, he loves to bless us. Don't get me wrong. He loves to bless us. But I think he's much more concerned about everyone's life individually across the world. And my life got jacked up from all this. Do, do I think that's good? I mean, 
you know, Ryan's widow and, their, and the three boys and, and my family, you know, just the whole thing. How do, you, how do you look at that and say God is good? I think God looks at it differently. I think God looks at all of humanity and he says, what's going to get my people back into my arms at the end of their lives? And if you look at the story that hasn't really been promoted um, at all, very little, and you take Ryan's story and how it's impacted thousands of lives, I think in God's mind, somehow that we can't comprehend, that's good because people's lives are being changed toward God in a way that Ryan and I could have never done on our own. Does it mean that the pain's gone? No. Does it mean that I have all, everything figured out and that everything reconciles like the, you know, the budget spreadsheet? No. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I know that to God, it's good. And even beyond what I've been through and how God's reconciled my life and brought all these things back in, in a way I could never respect it, he really is good. Even beyond my, his way of viewing good, now I see the good and I can be thankful for it. Someone needed to hear that today, and that is very, very powerful. Stay connected to that now as we move forward because there are so many things that the enemy of our soul will want to distract us with, derail us with, and sometimes this whole idea of trying to um, figure God out is the challenge, right? And yeah, you, my, you've said something there that's so powerful. Say that, just talk about the mystery. Well, I'll just condense it all down to this. So there, there's a mystery to God, and God requires our faith. And if, if God could be explained and understood easily and everything made sense, it wouldn't require faith. And then where's the mystery in that? And so there's a quote that I've always clung to. It says, if God can, I, I'm sorry, a God that can be fully understood is not a God worth worshiping. There is a mystery that requires faith, and I think that's the hard part of our daily walk, but it's the thing that makes us who we are as Christians. We're always seeking, not necessarily to understand, but to know him, and there's a difference between those two things. That's powerful. I can tell you that part of the last six and a half, almost seven years that have been part of my experience in knowing Chad, and we've gotten to know each other real well and spent some time together talking, and and uh, we love it. Beth and I love hanging out with you and Shannon and, and the kids. And, and it's, a, it's a powerful um, gift from God to be with you. And personally, I can say that one of the many reasons why I enjoy being around you is because there's something that, due to all of this that we're talking about today, that, that is just different about you. Uh, unfortunately, um, significantly missing in our world today. And the Bible tells us that that our eyes are the window to your soul. And when I hang out with Chad and listen to him talk and hear him process and hear him challenge me personally to live differently and to live with purpose, um, I see something inside of you that I want. And I'll never get it fully the way you do, but I want to. I want to get as close to that as I can because your motivation to make life count, to know that every day is a gift, and that um, because of the gift that you've been given, um, you want to make that count in your brother's honor, but ultimately in the Lord's honor too. It, I love being around you because you push me that way. And that's what I want us to all capture today. And so talk to us a little bit about how you can maintain that kind of perspective over the long haul. And um, here we are now almost seven years out and 
and you're you're living with that tenacity you've I mean you always had a heart for the Lord and to a heart to help and a heart to be part of what God's doing globally Chad's been a significant leader at Compassion International and now he's at World Vision reaching some of the least of these impacting the world all over and so but you live with different tenacity before this happened than before so talk to us about that perspective yeah Ecclesiastes talks about that God has written eternity on the hearts of men. Have you guys heard of that? Have you guys heard that scripture before? If you haven't, it's, it's, I think it's one of the keys that really unlocks the scripture to me because, you know, we all go through our daily stuff and we're, we've, got our, we've got our agendas. We've got to get here, we've got to get there, we've got to pick up the kids, we've got to take them here, and they've got sports, and we've got our jobs. And it's really easy to lose that gnawing sense of I, there's got to be more. And I think we all have it, and I, and I think it comes in waves, and sometimes you feel it more maybe like a day like today, and other days maybe you forget about it for a little while. I don't get to forget about it for a little while. I have a 16-inch scar that reminds me every day that there was a huge price paid for my life. And, and that parallel of what Ryan did, not knowingly, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have chosen to do, to do something like that knowing he would lose his life and lose his family, but... Nonetheless, he did it, and he lost his life, and I lived because of that. And I still remember going back to Watertown and going to where his grave spot was and just pounding on the grass because below was the guy who had given me life. And if you really believe who Jesus is, I'm assuming most of you do. I mean, there's 353 detailed prophecies that he fulfilled. I mean, that, come on, guys. The astronomical probability of that happening, if anybody here knows math, that's impossible. I like to think that Jesus is who he says he was and is, or he was a complete lunatic, and I'm, I believe in the first. And so, if I believe that, and I really think about, you know, it says that he was fully human, he was fully God, and let's really focus on the, on the fully human part for a second. The Bible talks about rejoicing with him in the triumphs, but also feeling in his suffering and living with him and abiding with him in his suffering. Have you done that? Really, have you thought about what... If you thought about what Jesus did, but even... Forget, even leading up to the cross, the, the ridicule and the, and the betrayals and the crown of thorns and the whips of the cat of nine tails and, you know, the nine-inch nails that went... I mean, all that stuff. Do you think about it? and he did it for you? There's a sense of gratitude that I now get to be reminded of daily of what Jesus did for all of us. Or 2,000 years ago, he had you in mind, and he did that. And if you can really embrace that, then your life will be an overflow of gratitude. And I think that's what the key is for me in, in keeping my perspective is I am not worthy of that. I'm not worthy for Jesus to have gone through that, but he did. So what does that mean for me? Does it, does it, is he saying I have to do this? No, but it compels me. His, the gratitude I feel for what he did, and because Ryan did it, someone else did it with skin on in my lifetime, did it for me the same way Jesus did. Man, I wish I could give you that gift without having to have the experience, but to feel that, that moment where you felt me coming up here, that, that little nugget of a moment where you felt that, if you could feel that every day, um, it changes your perspective. And I think the other thing, I'm going to preach here just for a second. Luke 4 talks about 
fear, and we're talking about living fearlessly this year, and, and I think about, it's such a cool scripture to me, and you know, Doug's going to give you another scripture, but maybe put this one behind that one. There's another scripture to remember, but it talks about, I remember when, when I realized that I wasn't afraid of anything anymore, when I lived through my worst nightmare, when my brother, when I watched him die right in front of me, with his wife sitting right next to me, and watching him die, my worst nightmare came to life that day, that night, and after that, all fear left. The fear of man was gone. And Luke 4 says, reserve your fear, not for the fear of man, because after you're dead, he can't do anything to you. Reserve your fear for the God who has control over your soul and your spirit once you die in your eternity. If you're going to have any fear, have that fear. Don't have the fear of man. And once you get to that point, wait till you see what God can do with your life. Everybody's got a story in here. I, everybody, afterwards, I talk to people. Everybody's got a story. My mess has become my ministry, and I believe that's the same for you. Everybody's got a story. If nothing else, I hope you go out and start to share your story so that it changes others' lives. Oh, did you get that? I hope so. This is going to change your life, and it can change this year. It can change this year. But I hope you also caught what, um, what was just shared and that goes back to the challenge, right? The most challenging thing that we have to face in our walk with God is that it's so daily, right? We have to be reminded every day. If you lose perspective, we're in trouble because all of a sudden our motivation isn't where it should be. And we get, listen, this world will pull you in all kinds of directions fast. But if we can stay focused on the Lord and out of, live out of gratitude for what he's done for us, we're going to do life different and I can tell you what I see so often when I hang out and we text and we talk and spend time with your family and I what I hear in you is pretty much like get out of the way we're going to change the world that's what we have to do we have to be part of what God is doing and that's in a conversation in a coffee shop that's when you're at work it's when you're hanging with your kids and your wife it's it's the way you live and I want to live like that. I want you to live like that because that's when we are able to fully grasp the purpose for each of us being here. And that is the beautiful thing. Now you have another daily reminder. It's on your arm. I want everybody to see it. We put it up on the screen. Just talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, this is Latin. It was the second tattoo I ever got, which then followed a long line of other tattoos. Mom and dad are very excited about that. Um, this one says vive fidens, which is Latin, which directly translates to live with confidence, but it's also used as a phrase to mean live without fear. And I got this over 15 years ago, and I put it right here because that's where they started to stick me every week with my blood draws and the IVs, and as I got sicker, you know, at first they started sticking it, I would get scared. I'm in the hospital, I've been healthy my whole life, and I'm getting blood drawn every week. I'm getting IVs, and I'm seeing my belly swell, and all these different things, and that would be a daily reminder not to, not to live in fear. And so um, Doug has graciously supplied a whole bunch of tattoo artists out there for you guys after the service. You can get that uh, put That's on your That's good. Josh was in the first service, yeah. so, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, where do we go, guys? Where do we go from here? How do we use this as a launching pad for some new perspective that's going to give us new motivation? How are we going to get there? What does that look like? And so um, there's two things as we wrap up that I want to share with you that I think will help. But now please, please look here for a second. Here's the problem. The people that I see most fired up for Jesus are those that have just come to know him. What? Why? Why? 
perspective, right? Closely connected and overwhelmed with God's grace and his mercy because it's so real in that moment. Now, here's what doesn't make sense to me. Fast forward 5, 10, 15 years of doing life with Jesus. And listen to me, you better be more fired up about what you know about who our God is than on day one. Day one is awesome because you feel overwhelmed with gratitude. Day two, you learn about his love and fast forward year after year after year. And listen, it should never be, guys, that the ones that are the most focused with the most heart-filled motivation are those that were new instead of you and I that have been journeying with him for years. Because as you get to know him, you should be so overwhelmed with passionate gratitude that it changes you. And you, like you said, you don't have fear of man. You don't get distracted by all the mess of this world. You live with different focus because you're connected to the heart of the Father. That's the way it's got to be. So how are we going to start this new year with the moment that we had when you gave us a chance to to get heart connected to the story? The video ended and you came up and you could have heard a pin drop in this room because our hearts are stirred with the price that was paid. How do we stay there? So I'm going to challenge you to do two things. The first thing is this. I want you to write down this website. Um, Chad and Shannon have worked hard to put this together and this this is your story and Um, the story of his processing all that has happened over the years. And there's some amazing, amazing truths and principles and brutal honesty and authenticity that is refreshing. I told you yesterday, I think you're going to write a book, and you probably already have. It's all in there. Just got to figure out how to organize it all. So I'll say something on that, too. A lot of people go to graymatters.com, and you get a GoDaddy ad. I'm not trying to sell you a website. Make sure you do .club. It's cheaper and it was available. So So make sure that you do that. I want you to do that this week. I want you to just kind of work through. And there's so many wonderful pieces of this story, again, that we can't uh, share all the details today because we don't have time. But, man, you guys, it's awesome. It'll be life-changing just to spend some time listening to the process, listening to the process and connectedness and working through the hard stuff and the authenticity is real. So I want you to make sure that you do that. And then listen, the hardest thing about the, da- the Christian life is that it's so daily. And I, so I want you to focus in on this. I want you to think about how these next steps of this week that lies in front of us are going to help. So this is your assignment. I want you to start every single day this week. Get your pens out. Every single day this week, reading a verse. Actually, two verses. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. And before you read it, I want you to pray, Lord, speak to my heart. It's so full of amazing truth that if you'll let it grow deep in you, will change you. Romans chapter 12 and 1 and 2. And then you, you pray, God, speak to me, and then you read it. And then the second time you go through it, I want you to use the words of Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 to become your prayer that start your day. Can you do that? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, make sure you get it, version That'll give you uh, access to this. Make sure you get out your Bible and look at it. And I want you to, I just want to read this with you um, because it's so powerful. And I need you to see, there's four main words here that I need you to see that will help us to capture the heart of Paul. He says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters. You see that comma there? Now here comes a very emphatic, not suggestion, Listen to his words. What does he say? I plead with you. Did you see that? I plead with you, he says. 
because he knows this is a game-changing thing. Because he loves the people that he's writing to, and he would have never known that all these years later, in 2017, he would be speaking to Plum Creek, and today we get to hear it too. He's pleading with us, pleading with us. And what do we do to give our bodies to God because of all he has done for you? Why do we do it, guys? Because of what he's done. It's perspective. It's perspective. When that perspective touches our heart, like we've heard today, it moves to a place of overwhelming gratitude. And then we do different because we're motivated to do it in honor of him. That's how this works. You want to see 2017 be the greatest year in your life? You want to have a fearless new year? This is how it happens. Stay connected. Let that connection be gratitude and let that gratitude become motivation. And when that happens, it's not hard to make change because it's not about you. It's about him. He becomes the source and the sustaining power to take us to where we need to go. So we present our bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find accessible. This is truly the way to worship him. Look at verse two. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? How does that happen? By changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want you to read that website. Read those blog posts. And I want you to read Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, every single day this next week. And pray it through. Will you stand to your feet? Father, we thank you because you are an incredible God. And we needed to hear what we heard today. And in this moment now, we need this to be solidified. Um, we need to start the process of connection to you. And so right now, Lord, I pray that you will speak to each and every one of us through this song. As the team sings, Lord, let this be an anthem that comes from deep in our souls. Thank you for the precious gift that you've given me in relationship with Chad. And the way that that's challenged me. And I pray, God, somehow. that you will allow what's happened in me from being in relationship with him to now happen for this great church too. That we would live with hearts that are full because we have proper perspective. And that that perspective becomes our motivation to do this year in a way that would honor you. In your name we pray. There's someone here today that hasn't made a decision yet to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You made that decision. I want you to pray right now. If you haven't, listen, this is the most incredible opportunity that you have to do this year right. And what you heard today was real and uh, it's powerful. And we've prayed for this moment right here, right now. And so if you're here today and you have not made a decision to accept Christ as your personal Savior, Today, you're reminded in a new kind of way of the price that was paid for you. I want to pray with you. Everybody else, heads bowed, eyes closed, you're praying. If that's you, I'm looking over here on my left. If that's you and you say, Doug, that's me, I want you to pray with me. Would you just shoot your hand up real quick over here on my left? Anybody? Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, how about here in the middle? Raise your hand. If you're saying, Doug, that's me, I needed to be here today. Thank you. And over here on my right, 
You got it. Who else? Anyone else? Pray with me. Lord, I know today my desperate need for you. My journey has been tough. I've been trying to do some things on my own. And I've got a lot of questions. Some of those questions I don't have answers for. And I needed to hear today about the mystery of our God. But it gives me confidence because I know that you, that you paid a price for me. And I know that I've fallen short of your perfect standard. And today, I want to ask you to forgive me. I thank you that what you did on the cross, that ultimately, that was a personal gift. And I accept it today. I ask you now to help me to understand what it means to live for you. For the rest of us that are here, I'm so grateful that you are here today. But I realize, see, this is the easy part, because the hardest thing about following Jesus is every day. And so we're about ready to walk out of here. And I need you to be reminded that the only way that 2017 is going to be the year that God has planned is for you to stay connected to him. This is not a joke because God is calling us to be a church that will change this community and impact our world. And we all need to be connected in that kind of way that will empower us to do it well. Not because we have strength and energy to do it on our own, but because our motivation comes to live different because of the gift he's given. So, Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus that you will give us strength, that you will give us courage to to be in the daily grind of this, that we will stay connected to you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will use Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 to become part of the life source that's going to change this week and start this year off different. Lord, will you speak to us through it? Lord, as we pray it, we want those words to come from deep in our own heart and soul. Lord, will you change us starting today, that our focus would be on you, that, Lord, this would be an entirely different year than what we would have anticipated because it's faith-filled and it's God-filled. Motivate us to live differently, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray.